You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. Hey guys, you're about to listen to a live episode of Young and Profiting Podcast featuring serial entrepreneur Naveen Jain. After the interview, Naveen was generous enough to give us a promo code for $10 off Viome. If you don't know about Viome, it translates insights from your body into personalized nutritional recommendations to help address the root cause of biological aging and chronic disease. Viome is how Naveen plans to make illness optional in the future. Head to Viome.com and use promo code CLUBHOUSE10 for $10 off checkout. Hey, everybody, you are listening to a live episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. We are live on Clubhouse in the Human Behavior Club, the largest club on the app. I'm joined by Naveen Jain. He is a serial entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and a billionaire who is driven to solve the world's biggest challenges through his moonshot projects. Naveen came on Young and Profiting Podcast back in episode number 22. And in that episode, we discussed moonshots or astronomically ambitious projects that address a huge problem, propose a radical solution, and use breakthrough technology to achieve the goal. And we focus that episode mostly on how we can be more imaginative, how we can be more open to possibilities. And we also talk a lot about his space-related projects. So today we're going to focus on something different, another amazing moonshot project that Naveen is working on. It's called Viome. It's his startup, and it aims to make illness optional through the power of AI. And guys, we are going to go deep. Naveen is going to help us understand the root cause of disease. We're going to understand how the microbiome in our gut works and why balancing it is important. We're also going to talk about how AI could be the way that we eliminate all chronic diseases in the future. So if you're looking forward to today's conversation, make sure you ping your friends into the room, tap that plus sign at the bottom of the screen, invite your friends, and also make sure you follow the Human Behavior Club because I am hosting live Young and Profiting episodes each in every week, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. I also want to welcome my friend Lauren to the stage. She's another big podcaster, and so I'm sure she's going to have some insightful questions to ask. And I've invited a couple other of my podcaster friends who are probably going to turn up. And at the end of this session, we are going to do open Q&A. So if you guys have a question, what I want you to do is raise your hand early and put your question in the bio. Lauren is going to scan them and so is my team. And we're going to check out those questions and make sure we get them answered at the end. So with that, I'm going to kick off the interview. And my question is obviously for our special guest, Naveen Jain. You are a wildly successful entrepreneur. You've had 
several successful companies in the past. And honestly, you could be retired right now, spending your days on a beach with a margarita instead of trying to solve the world's <coughs> biggest problem. So I want to unpack how you landed on focusing your time on Viome, because I know you're super smart. You wouldn't be spending your time on this if you didn't think the end goal was possible. And I also want to talk about how you got inspired to launch the company Viome and how the sickness of your father really led you down this path. So would you please unpack all of that for us? Oh my God, Hala, there were 10 questions in there. So let me see if I can remember them. To me, the success is not about how much money you have in the banks. Your success can only be defined by how many lives you're able to improve while you're still alive, right? So to me, a person who stops being curious is a dead person. So the only way to know you are alive is to really continue to be intellectually curious because the day you stop becoming curious is the day you actually die. And so to me, a person who spends a day or their life playing golf, that to me seems like what if, I mean, the person has, friend, I mean, in my humble opinion, has become a parasite on society. If your whole purpose in life is to put a small ball in a hole and that's what you call uh, your life's purpose, to me, I think you have outlived your life at that point. So to me, you have to constantly figure out that every day of your life, what are you going to do to contribute to the betterment of humanity? And it's not just for you. It is an obligation you have for your own family, to your own community, and to your own country, and to your own planet. And every single day you have to ask yourself, what am I doing that is going to move the needle and potentially will impact and improve lives of billions of people on planet Earth and someday beyond? I love that. And I love the fact that your mission is so pure and you really want to help humanity. So from my research, I found out that your father really had a big impact in terms of giving you the idea to go down this path and start Viome. Could you tell us about that story? Honestly, Hala, it is more than just my father and my parents, you know, from the time I was born, we were poor. So it to us, it was never about money because we realized the money can come and go. What is always stays with you is the love and a caring family that you have. And to us, that was always something we can always hang on to. And in my life, everything I have done has continued to focus on giving the same type of a value system to our children, where we tell our children that, you know, our love for you is unconditional, but our, in some sense, our approval is not. So that means we will always love you, but doesn't mean we are going to approve of the things you do. Get us, me to say that I am proud of you. You have to go and do things that actually improve people's life. Because to me, that is the what value system we have. But I'll always love you. I'll always be doing things for you because as out of love. But I'm not going to say I'm proud of you because you go out and do things like sell drugs. Right? That's not what's going to make me proud of you, right? So the, the point is you always have to look at the things and think, do our children believe in our value system or not? 
from the time they were young, we will always focus on them to start thinking about what is possible. And, you know, even my, I remember I had my mom, uh, and I'm going to come back and answer your question eventually, that, you know, my mom will always say when I was young that, you know, Naveen, you're so bright, you can do anything you want. And then she will go out and say the last beautiful sentence, sky is the limit without ever realizing that sky is nothing but a figment of our imagination. There is no physical boundary called sky. We make up because we see something that we think cannot be crossed. So, but if you go from here to Mars, you don't call in mom halfway through and say, mom, I just passed the sky, right? There is no sky. And the point is we create these sky-like limits all over us. In our life, we create these skies, the things that we believe cannot be crossed until you get there. And then it looks like what was it, the hurdle that I thought actually existed. It wasn't really there. It was simply my imagination. And these things start simple. Oh, I am born in this family. I don't have these resources, so I can't do that. I am brown and I'm black and I'm white. I can't do that. All these imaginary hurdles we put in our life, and these are simply the excuses for not to do things right. The other big one that I find as an entrepreneur is a lot of the people don't do things because they say, I know nothing about this subject. How can I go out and do that? And to some extent, it is the same problem I had. I, I don't have a degree in science or biology or when I did my space in the, in the aerospace. But the point to me was, in fact, the minute you become expert at something, you actually become useless at it. And what I mean by that is you become incrementalist. That means the best you can do is to improve it by 10% or 15%, but you will never be able to change it by 10 times or 100 times. Only way to do that is to fundamentally look at from a different perspective, look at from a perspective of a non-expert and challenge the foundation of what experts have taken it for granted, right? So now to answer your question, as I was finishing up my project of going to the moon, my dad fell sick and he had a pancreatic cancer. And I lost my dad a few years ago to pancreatic cancer. And to me, that was a wake-up sign that this is something that if I my dad, I'm, I'm losing my dad to this. Can this actually be prevented? And it occurred to me, there is absolutely no reason why human beings should suffer from any chronic diseases. There is nothing in our biology that says, you turn 40, you're going to become obese, you're going to have diabetes, you're going to have a heart disease, you're going to have dementia, you're going to have depression, or you're going to have anxiety, or you're going to have these things. And people have this misbelief that somehow your genes are your destiny. And it turns out your genes actually don't even change when you become depressed. If you do your uh, you know, DNA test today, and when you gain 200 pounds, your DNA is still the same. You become diabetic, your DNA hasn't changed. In fact, none of the chronic diseases ever change your DNA. And if your genes are not changing, then what is changing? And it occurred to me, the constantly thing that's changing is your gene expression. And being naive, I thought, what if we could measure the gene expression and understand what is causing people to have diseases, then we can make illness optional. And everyone used to say being healthy is a choice. And I turned that onto the, its head and say, what if being sick is a choice? And that was the fundamental belief that chronic diseases can be prevented 
and chronic diseases can be intercepted and reversed. Oh my gosh, that's so impactful. I love that backstory. And I want to get into later on in the interview, I want to talk to you about all the different challenges you faced when you started Viome. But first, I want to kind of get to the science and the the medical stuff behind it. And I want to start off with some context. Here's a mind-boggling thought for everybody listening. According to Naveen, we are just 1% human. We're made up of trillions and trillions of microorganisms, and we have more foreign cells in our body than human cells. So that's a a really crazy statement. Can you uh, go in deeper on that? Well, first of all, it's not a crazy statement. It is a fact, right? There are 100 trillion microbes inside, in, in and on us. There are about 39 or 40 trillion microbes just in our gut alone, in our mouth, in our nose, in our ears, in our lungs, on our skin, all over us. We, in fact, as I said, 150 to 1. If you look at all the genes that are expressed in the human body, less than 1% of those genes come from our human genes. So we're basically a beautiful container for these microorganisms. And it's not that they are a parasite on us. Early form, if you go think about it, three and a half billion years ago, the only life on planet Earth was these organisms, right? So it starts with amoeba, the single cell, then they became the eukaryotes, and they became the multi-cell organisms. So you get the viruses and the bacteria. And for billions of years, the only thing we saw was viruses and the bacteria and the yeast and the fungus and the mold and these phages that actually the viruses that infect bacteria. Now, when the humans, I mean, if you think about evolution of humans, we are not a very complex uh, entity. In fact, if you look at the human beings, our DNA only produces about 22,000 protein coding genes. In fact, the earthworm has 32,000 protein coding genes. That tells you that, you know, if you ever get too cocky, that you are basically, in terms of the number of genes that are expressed, are less than earthworms, right? But what makes us so complex is we have formed a symbiotic relationship with trillions of these microbes. And to some extent, we have outsourced many of the functions to these microbes, and we form this symbiotic relationship. So for example, the human body cannot digest fiber. But if we eat fiber, which is what most of our ancient people did, you know, they'll take out the root from the plant and they'll start eating it. All that fiber went to our gut, or uh, and there it got fermented, and in turn, the microbes converted that into short-chain fatty acid, things such as butyrate, which is exactly what body cannot produce. So the microbes now produce the butyrates, the vitamins and supplements and the nutrients constantly for us. And they become our part of our first soldiers that actually tell the body when there is a pathogen that's coming in from the food that you ate. And that's why our immune system, 70% of our immune system is along our gut lining. So imagine that we as human beings are basically a donut shape, right? There's a tube that goes through us. So there's the top of the tube, that's your mouth, and then there you, you poop out, right? So the point is that through that tube, all along, there are microbes, and most of them are in our colon. 
these microbes, in fact, are impacting every part of our human health. In, uh, so as we go along, I'm going to give you more and more signs around this. In the last six months, what have we learned about how does the cancer work? How does the cancer protect itself from immune system? Why do we develop the autoimmune diseases? And I, you know, why do we, some people develop diabetes, other don't? You can have two identical paternal twins, identical DNA, and one of them may develop a disease, other doesn't. And if you feed both of them exactly the same food, one of them may get a high glucose response and another person may get none because of how your microbes are transforming the food. How does your saliva or oral microbiome is pre-processing that food? So I'm going to go through the science and the latest research. And in fact, everyone who is listening to it should be able to just Google. And if you just Google depression and microbiome, Parkinson's and microbiome, Alzheimer and microbiome, and pick a disease you want, the cancer and microbiome, you'll start to see hundreds of research paper that is starting to actually show that how our microbes in our mouth and microbes in our gut are actually linked to these diseases, not only in starting the diseases, but also in the progression of these diseases. Wow, that that was so much, Naveen. I can't wait to dig into all of that more. You sort of alluded to it. You mentioned evolution very briefly. And I was researching you and I found something really fascinating, which is you think that humans may have evolved from these microorganisms. Oh my God. I was just not, I was just avoiding it. I didn't think you were going to make me tell you the story of the human creation. (laughs) It's a great story. We have to hear it. Okay, Hala. So basically, you know, I was trying to explain that how these microbes are not just very passive, and these microbes play the very active role in about, uh, you know, what who we think we as humans are. So just to, first of all, I'm going to tell you a story, but before I even tell the story, let me give you some of the latest research. So there was a, about a month ago, there was a research done where they took 18 people who were addicted to alcohol. And all they did was change their gut microbiome. And in this case, through a fecal transplant, basically it changed their gut microbiome, taking one person's poop and putting other person's poop in that person. And just by doing that, their addiction to alcohol went away. Now think for one second what happened here. The alcohol addiction was simply what your gut microbes were demanding that a person get, right? So that means our appetite, our desire, and our what we want to eat is in, in some way controlled by these microorganisms. In fact, there was another research done at ASU where they took the kids who had, who had autism and simply changing their gut microbiome, the symptoms of autism went away. Right? Same thing with bipolar. So it occurred to me that you start to think about all the things that are happening in the human body and how microbes are involved. I came up with this idea that what if these microbes actually created humans? So here you go, Hala. Since you asked me, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my human creation story. So millions, you know, obviously, as you know, the microbes are three and a half billion years old and the human species, give or take a couple of hundred thousand at most, uh, the, uh, is old, years old. So imagine if millions of years ago, all these microbes got together and said, you know what, we are sick and tired of living in this small space in Africa. 
We want to go out and control the world. And they all looked at each other. And one microbe said, I have an idea. What's your idea, son? Imagine if we can create something bipedal and we can all trillions of us can stick to it. This bipedal entity is going to go all over the world. We will let the, we will control their brain in terms of what food we want. And they're going to scrounge around all over the place looking for the food for us. And they're going to start feeding us. And guess what? They're going to poop everywhere they go. And we're going, they're going to spread us around. And we're going to just take over the world. It sounded like a good idea, except that one of the young men said, have you completely lost your mind? How are you going to make sure that they feed us what we want? And he said, that's really, really easy. We are going to put one of our brothers right inside their cell. They're going to call that mitochondria. And mitochondria is nothing but one of our bacterial brother that's going to be inside their cell. That's going to provide all the energy to their cell. And anytime they don't feed us well, we're going to call our brother and say, shut these guys down. And all of them are going to be dead. So if they want to stay alive and they want to stay healthy, they're going to feed us what we want. And suddenly people started to believe this is possible. Except one skeptic says, you are just not thinking right. These things are going to someday develop their own brain. And what is going to happen to us? Just like today, we all humans are worried that one day the artificial intelligence is going to become so smart. What's going to happen to us human beings? And these microbes thought, oh my God, what if one day these bipedal entities someday start to develop a mind of their own. What are we going to do about that? And the microbes said, we have a plan in place. We're going to have a direct connection to their brain. And these idiots are going to call that a vagus nerve. Just thinking just because it's named after Las Vegas, what happens in the gut is going to stay in the gut. They're so wrong because what happens in the gut is going to change everything. And with that vagus nerve, we're going to control their what they eat, what they want, what their behavior, their mood. We're going to control everything. And we're going to call these bipedal entities the humans. And that's how, ladies and gentlemen, the humans were created. So if you ever get too proud of who you are, you're simply a beautiful container for trillions of these microorganisms that are actually pulling all the strings and we are nothing but a puppet for them. <laughs> I love that story. I wanted you to say it because I feel like it helps people understand it in such simplistic terms when you, when you tell it in that story. I feel like everybody understands microbiome and the importance of gut health a little bit more just because you shared that. So thank you, Naveen. Um, so Naveen, we were just talking about microbiome and everything like that. One thing that I heard you say is that when it comes to diseases, we typically hear that it's genetic. Like when I think of like my dad had diabetes, I was always told it was genetic. I was always worried. I was genetically disposed. But you say that 99.9% .9 of our genes is something that we can control. So can you help us explain why linking disease to genes isn't really the way we should think about it? So there are very, very few diseases, and these are called rare genetic diseases, right? So sickle cell. And there are a couple of other diseases which essentially are genetic diseases, and they are known as rare genetic diseases. And as you and I can both guess why they're called rare genetic diseases are because they are rare, right? So this is not prevalent. So if you think about diabetes, diabetes is a symptom. And now we actually understand the mechanism of what happens. So when two people eat the same food 
our glucose response in our body is completely different based on how that food is metabolized or digested by our gut microbiome. And so interestingly, we can now predict that when you eat that, when after you do a biome test, we in fact can predict which food that you eat is going to have high glycemic response or low glucose response in your body. And what we see is some people can eat bread and have very little glycemic glucose response in terms of elevation. And some people actually have very high response. Some people have high response from almonds or banana or some different foods. And that is the thing is, interestingly, there was a research done in UK on 1,000 identical twins. And it turns out that twins would have completely different glucose response for the foods that they ate because of how those foods were actually digested by the gut microbiome. So now what we're realizing is actually we understand, in fact, there is a very uh, good research paper that recently came out in terms of how does the diabetes or obesity happens. So there are a set of microbes. They release uh, what they call protease called GLE, G-E-L-E. And this particular protease actually binds to, uh, binds to human peptide called GLP-1. And the GLP-1 for the people who you don't need to know what that is simply a mechanism that a human body uses for glucose homeostasis and for your appetite control. So when these microbes are releasing this particular protease that binds to this particular uh, peptide, suddenly your glucose homeostasis is no longer working. And now your body cannot maintain the glucose control. It starts to release more insulin. And the more insulin it releases, the body becomes less and less uh, receptive to it. And it releases more and more. And eventually you get very high insulin in your body and you start to develop diabetes. And that's really the kind of mechanism that you start to see in the people is that they eat food that's constantly increasing their blood glucose and their glucose homeostasis is not working well. Now, so there are several things you can do here. One is to understand exactly what foods you should be eating and why, what foods you should be avoiding and why. And I I just don't want to use this podcast to actually sell Wyom, but I'm going to just simply tell you what is it that we do as a company so you have a fairly good idea of why I started this, what it really means to our customer, right? So you simply... Um, go to yom.com, that's V-I-O-M-E.com. You sign up for your health intelligence test. So we actually take a touch of your stool, a few drops of your blood, and in turn, what you get back is everything that's happening in your body. So what does your biological age look like? Everyone knows the chronological age. How well are you treating your body? And that shows you your biological age. It shows you your gut health. It shows you your cellular health. It shows you your mitochondrial health. It shows you your immune health, right? And it tells you how well you're going to respond to the stress in the body or not, right? And all of this called stress response health. And all of these insights, and then we come back and say, not only here are your scores, and we give you tens of scores under each one of them, like under gut health, you get to see your digestive efficiency, your metabolic efficiency, how much of butyrate you're producing, how much of sulfide you're producing and things on on and on and on. But the most importantly, what we tell you is, here are the foods you should avoid and why. So for example, when I did the test the first time, I used to eat very healthy, I thought. So I was eating primarily, I'm a vegan. So I was eating broccoli and cabbage and the Brussels sprout and spinach and lentils. And I was thinking that I was the healthiest man. 
And I thought I'm going to do a test. He's going to come back and say, you are the model of healthy eating. Well, it turned out that every single thing that I thought was healthy was actually harming my body and causing inflammation. So he told me not to eat broccoli and Brussels sprout and cabbage because my sulfide production by my gut microbiome is so high and all these foods contain very high amount of sulfate. And if I keep eating them, I am causing my gut to be inflamed. That is causing my gut lining to be permeable. That is causing the inflammation in my body. And that is the reason why not only I feel tired, but I was also gaining weight. He told me not to eat spinach because my gut microbes are not able to digest oxalate or oxalic acid. And spinach is very, very high in oxalate. Right. And if and he said, if you don't do that, uh, stop eating spinach, you're going to get kidney stone or other inflammatory marker. I thought I was I grew up watching Popeye and I knew that spinach is healthy because Popeye told me so. But I didn't realize that Popeye was not the scientist and I did not follow. And guess what? A year later, I ended up having a kidney stone. And then I realized, oh, my God that I really, really need to start thinking, rethinking what I think is healthy. And interestingly, same thing on a protein. I was eating so much protein thinking it's going to help me build since I'm a vegan that I really, really need to eat more protein because they so, you know, most people who are vegan don't get as much protein. Well, it turns out that I was eating so much protein, it was not being digested in my body. It was going into my colon and these bacteria were fermenting this protein, releasing ammonia, re- releasing pitrocin, and there were all causing massive amount of inflammation in my body. Now, just to tell you that, that simple thing, actually, so we give you these food recommendations and we tell you why. Then we tell you, here are the nutrients that your body is lacking. And it literally tells you that here is what's wrong with your score. And you need 22 milligrams of elderberry. You need 17 milligrams of curcumin. You need 79 milligrams of amylase. And every single ingredient in what quantity. And we literally make those capsules with those ingredients in that quantity for each individual. So think about that. Literally tailor-made capsules on demand with the nutrients that your body needs at that second. And that, to me, is a complete game changer that you no longer have to rely on faith. And every time you retest, you can see how your body is changing based on all the changes that you have made to your diet. And it constantly adapts. So if you test every three months, every three months you get to see what foods are now good for you or bad. So foods that were bad for you may actually become good. And the things that the food that were good for you may actually become bad. So it's constant adjustment that you make and I do it every six months, right? And so in fact, you can sign up and you can get the test every six months and you get your personalized tailor-made supplements and you get your food recommendations. And as your body adapts and changes, we constantly change with that. And that is the fundamental belief is, now I'm gonna give you two pieces of news that I have not in fact even announced yet publicly. So you are, everyone who is here gets to hear it first. We just got the FDA approval. And this FDA approval is for our technology that looks at gene expression. And we are able to now detect 
oral cancer and throat cancer with 97% specificity. And FDA just gave us a breakthrough device for that. That means FDA believes there is nothing like this exists and there is nothing like this that has ever been done. And it's called breakthrough device. And we just got that approval last week. And just to show you that, that when you're starting to understand these mechanisms, we in fact are now developing a vaccine for colorectal cancer with a very large company because we now understand what is causing people to happen you know, the colorectal cancer. And my hope is that in the, within the next decade, we will be able to eradicate cancer from humanity completely. So uh, we are now doing a research on pancreatic cancer, which is how I lost my dad. Uh, you know, ovarian cancer, breast cancer, so lung cancer, liver cancer. My hope really is that as we starting to understand more and more of these mechanisms, we'll be able to prevent them using nutrition, food as a medicine, and sometime it is too late and we'll may have to use uh, some type of a vaccine or a drug to be able to intercept it. But our hope really is early diagnosis, like what we did for oral cancer and throat cancer, and we'll be able to hopefully do it for other cancers as well, is what's going to allow us to actually use food as a medicine and not have to take a drug if you can diagnose them early enough. The other thing I was going to mention was we're also developing a vaccine for autoimmune diseases, very similar to why does an immune system attack itself? I mean, think about it. Why would our immune system attack our own body? Well, what happens is many of these organisms, this microbiome, actually biomimic the same type of protein that is in our joints. And when that happens, our immune system is trying to attack the protein that these are, and the organism that are releasing this protein ends up attacking the joints itself because they have the same protein, which is biomimicked by these uh, organisms. So I think once you start to understand in what conditions these biomimicry is happening, you can actually stop it before that using a vaccine very similar to how we do the COVID-19, right? So my feeling is that the gene expression technology that we have, by the way, the technical term for the gene expression that we do is called mRNA. This is a new four-letter word that most of us are getting used to now, but this mRNA is something we have been doing it for five years. And what's really happening is this mRNA has become essentially the key to understanding how we can very, very quickly personalize and adapt to the environment that these organisms are in. That means you can make these mRNA vaccines very, very quickly based for each person, each cancer, for each human beings, each disease. One day we'll be able to print these mRNA vaccine on the desktop, on the doctor's office, as soon as the doctor does the test and say, here's your mRNA vaccine and injects it. So I really am very hopeful that within you know, our lifetime, we can make illness optional. And I didn't say we'll be able to eradicate illness because that is not in our control. What is in our control is to tell you what is happening in your body, what you need to do to stay healthy, but the choice is yours. And that's why we say illness is optional. Wow, Naveen. First of all, I want to say that we can make this entire podcast a commercial about Viome because, uh, guys, oh, Naveen is not sponsoring this episode, but it is so important. And you're actually, you know, helping humanity. I know you're you, you're doing this for good intentions. You don't need to start a business. So that's why we're talking all about Viome right now. It's, it's really something that's helping humanity. Lauren here, Lauren Tickner, she's the host yeah. of Impact School. She's going to ask you a question about Viome. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Wow. I saw you speak at Thrive quite a few years ago now, and I've been following along since then. 
and loving everything that I've been hearing when I hear you on the podcast and things like that. And so my question is this. So my partner actually just uh, took my M test and got the results and, uh, and everything. And it's been fascinating reading through everything. So let's just say, for example, because of the fact that your microbiome changes, if, if you, let's say, eat something outside of your normal, mm-hmm. let's say you do the test maybe a couple of days after having, I don't know, like mm-hmm. some McDonald's or something, or maybe mm-hmm. something that you're ultra sensitive to. Is that going to affect your results? Um, and how are you kind of overcoming that? Yeah. So first of all, it doesn't. And here is why. I mean, so in some sense, think of it is like on a lake, if you throw in a pebble, there is a small bit of ripple, but it comes right back together, right? So if you consistently keep eating that food, then your gut microbiome fundamentally change. Otherwise, there is a small bit of perturbation, but the ecosystem comes right back together, right? So sometime when you're walking on an Amazonian forest, right, you can step on the ecosystem. It little bit gets, you know, perturbed, but it comes right back and actually grows until people start to walk on it every single day, and there are thousands of people walking on it, and suddenly that ecosystem ecosystem dies, right? So I think the same thing happens. So it's not that one time or two times you eat certain food and suddenly your whole ecosystem is changed. It gets a little bit disturbed, but it comes right back together. So I think that is, so we, we in fact did a test where we took the samples of people for 30 days and let them eat what the normally they would eat. And we saw that there was actually very, very little difference. And AI was able to completely predict who these people were. And even though there were 100 different people with you know 30 different tests, we were able to actually separate out and say, this all 30 samples belong to this person and these 30 belongs to this person, right? So that was really, really interesting. Uh, yeah, so I think, Lauren, I don't know if I answered your question or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really interesting hearing you say that. So that was a simple answer. Thanks, Lauren. That was an excellent question. So I want to dig deep on something that you were explaining previously. You were talking about how spinach is actually poison for you. But from my understanding, it can be a superfood for me. So how is that possible? How is it that we all react to food differently? And again, I think that is what I was trying to explain, that there is no such thing as universal healthy food or universal healthy supplement, right? So we see the people have this idea that, hey, I take vitamin B, it's of course just good for me. Well, we see that vitamin B3, which is niacin, actually can be very harmful to you if you have very high uric acid production in your body. So if your uric uric acid production is high, then last thing you want to do is to actually take a vitamin B3, because that's going to actually harm you. The same type of thing happens like when people say, well, turmeric and curcumin, these are always good for everyone because they are anti-inflammatory. Well, it's good for some people and they're going to harm the people who actually have very high production of bile salt because curcumin converts the bile acid into bile salt. And I can go on and give you tons of examples, right? Some people, the red meat is good. And because it has a lot of nutrients and some people, the red meat actually will cause you a heart disease. So how does that happen? In this case, like in the red meat, it has carnitin and the carnitin and actually gets converted by the microbes into something called TMA, trimethylamine, which gets absorbed 
by the human body and our liver convert them into TMAO, which is trimethylamine oxide, which is exactly what causes the heart diseases to happen. Now, if your microbes are not producing enough TMA, then you can eat red meat. And this is the reason why many people in the Midwest can eat meat and potato, live to be 95 or 100, and they are, they are healthy. And some people have red meat even once a week and they actually get obese and they get all kinds of diseases, right? So it really is about each individual and their the oral microbiome, their gut microbiome, and you know uh, how it interacts with your host and your immune system. So ultimately, the chronic diseases are caused by the chronic inflammation. So the minute you start to change the inflammatory markers in your body, a lot of the symptoms that we call diseases actually go away. So what we find very interesting is that we as a company are not focused on a specific disease. When you do a volume test, we're not saying we will cure this. What happens is very interestingly is we're simply trying to reduce the inflammation in your body give you the stuff, more of the good stuff, reduce the stuff that is actually bad for your body. And amazing things happen. People tell us their acne is gone. They no longer have eczema. They're losing weight. They sleep better. Right? They have more energy. They no longer have depression or anxiety or a brain fog. And these were all the symptoms of inflammation. As I said, so depression and anxiety is actually an inflammation in the body. And now the research is showing that even the Alzheimer or Parkinson's is actually are the inflammatory diseases where the microbes, in fact, when the blood-brain barrier as we age and because of inflammation, constant inflammation in the body, becomes permeable or leaky, then these organisms go into the blood and our microgilia, the gilial cells actually produce the amyloid beta to protect the brain from these infections. And that ends up getting tangled up, becomes a tau protein that causes the neurons to actually get destroyed. And all of these are fundamentally are the infectious diseases uh, that could ultimately be controlled by controlling the inflammation in the body. And I was going to just also mention, since I was talking about cancer, the couple of very recent research paper on cancer that I think anybody who is interested in that uh, field should just Google and uh, you'll be able to find them. One paper is about, they looked at 18 different types of cancers. These are from liver cancer to lung cancer to the ovarian cancer and pancreatic cancer and breast cancer. And they found there is a unique microbiome inside the tumor of every one of these cancers, which is really interesting. What is the microbes doing inside the tumor? Well, that's the first puzzle. The second puzzle was really interesting that we see that was research that just came out uh, where they did a immunotherapy on the people who had melanoma, which is skin cancer, and the immunotherapy did not work for these people. And they simply changed their gut microbiome through fecal transplant, and the same therapy started working. What changed here? All change was simply the microbes and how they interacted with the immune system that caused the immunotherapy non-responders to become responders. The third thing was another interesting research that if you Google, you will see that the tissue, the tumor is displaying the microbial peptides on top of the tumor cells. What does it really mean? That means why would an organism like a tumor who wants to survive will display a foreign thing on its uh, surface, inviting the uh, immune system to attack it? Unless 
somehow these microbes are biomimicking the self and the immune system is thinking it is actually part of our body and it's not attacking it anymore. And these microbes are actually now become symbiotic with our tissues in the different areas of organs of our body. And they basically become another organism inside us as a super organism, right? So these organisms, the tumor is using the microbes to protect itself while, and the microbes love it because my, the tumor is feeding the microbes and microbes are protecting the tumor. And now in one particular case, in the pancreatic cancer, the professor at, the researcher at NYU injected the antibiotics directly into the pancreas tumor and kill the microbes that were inside the tumor. It was in the mice, just to be, just to be very clear. And automatically, the immune system killed the tumor. And that tells you the power of these microbes in protecting the cancer and, pro, and the progression of cancer. So to me, I think there is a very, in, you know, I'm starting to, as I said, feel much more optimistic that we as humanity, within a decade, will be able to solve this problem. And once we, you know, solve the problem of cancer, then we can start to look at all the mental health issues. We are seeing some amazing, amazing results from our customer. So we did about four different clinical research with our own customers. And we saw within four months, the depression clinical score is called PHQ-9, came down by 32% in four months for the people who are using our recommendations. The IBS, which is about 15% of the population suffers from IBS, which is a stomach ache and the you know, gas, bloating, and digestive issues, constipation, diarrhea. That score for the people who had a severe IBS came down by 36%. The risk of diabetes came down by 30%, and the anxiety score, which is measured by GAD7, came down by 29%. Now, these are still... That's, you know, sample size on each one of them, about 200 people. So it's still a very small study, but it starts to show that the potential we have of controlling these diseases. So now we are working with actually a very large uh, company and doing a placebo-controlled trial for mental health, for digestive health, immune health, oral health, and skin health. And I'm hoping that these placebo-controlled trials, which are much larger, are going to start to show the same type of results to prove everyone that food, in fact, is indeed is a medicine. And food is not something that simply to fill up our stomach. It is, in fact, can be used to control our, or at least modulate our immune system. This episode of Yap is sponsored by EveryPlate. Guys, meal kits are all the rage because, well, who wants to go to the grocery store nowadays and who wants to cook from scratch? Ain't nobody got time for that. Now you can experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's best value meal kit from EveryPlate. One meal from EveryPlate is the same price as one cup of coffee. Now that's a super sweet deal. Time and money are the most valuable things in life, and every plate has you covered on both. Every plate is way more affordable than takeout or delivery, which is awesome because with COVID, my delivery bill has been racking up like crazy. Thank goodness I found every plate because now I can cook delicious meals and save time by not having to plan or go grocery shopping. And I can do this all at a very delightful price. Every plate has easy to follow recipe cards and pre-portioned ingredients. 
so you can spend less time preparing and cooking and more time enjoying good food with your loved ones. And it's never gonna get boring. They offer changing 14 recipes per week. I am so excited to get my meals next week. Garlic rosemary chicken, spicy chickpea, basmati bowls, creamy rajas quesadillas. I mean, my mouth is watering just speaking about it. And I'm serious, it's dinner time, I'm hungry, and I can't wait for my every plate. You guys can try every plate for $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering code YAP199. That's right, you can get started with every plate for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off another two weeks by going to everyplate.com and entering code YAP199. That's a $100 value. That's a great deal. This is one of the best deals that I've ever announced on YAP. That's every plate com with yap199 as your promo code. So you just said food is the best medicine. It's the only drug we need. It seems super groundbreaking and what you're doing is very innovative, but it's actually not a new idea. Hippocrates, he's a Greek founder for you guys don't know. He's the founder of Western medicine. And he has a very famous quote. It goes, let thy medicine be thy food. And he considered nutrition as a main form of medicine. So where did we go wrong? If hundreds of years ago, they knew about this, what happened? Well, so thousands of years ago, that's probably uh, what happens, right? See, you know, we as humans are constantly forget the knowledge that people had acquired in the ancient times. In fact, if you go back, even before Hippocrates, if you look at the old, you know, the book, ancient books in Ayurveda, they talk about that each person is unique. And, you know, there was a very interesting concept. And again, I'm not a religious person. There is a cre- In the Hindu religion, there is a creator of humanity and it's called Brahma. And they show that life starts in the navel. And that was literally where our colonies, right? So they're basically saying the life begins in your gut. And what was that concept of life beginning in the gut? And the only thing I can see is that when the baby is born, as you know, the first exposure to the baby gets on the microbiome is through the birth canal. And here's very interesting. In the first few days of the mother's milk is primarily a human oligosaccharide which is a fiber that cannot be digested by the human body. And this human oligosaccharide is simply there to feed the microbiome. And actually, so these microbes can train the immune system. So babies get infected very quickly because the immune system is actually not trained yet. And as these microbes start to get mature, they start to train the immune system. Who is a friend? Who is a foe? Which is pathogen, which is commensal. Now, very interesting is, why would a nature create an offspring and the first few days saying, I would rather not feed the offspring, I would rather feed these microbes to keep the offspring healthy. And then it starts to tell you how all these things are actually connected. And Hippocrates, as I said, 2,500 years ago, as you mentioned, another thing that he said that I think most people forgot, he says, all diseases begin in the gut. So if you were to just search Hippocrates, all diseases begin in the gut. So he said, not only he realized at that time that somehow your gut was a key to the human health. And he said, all diseases begin in the gut. Let food be thy medicine. Let thy medicine be the food. And there was another fellow uh, physician who said, one man's food is another man's poison. 
right? And that's really interesting that all of these things we knew that there is no such thing as universal healthy food. And today, now that we have signs, we are going back to the future, right? Yeah, 100%. It's like now we're good. And I see that a lot. You know, I do these podcast episodes a lot and it's, it always seems like these new innovative ideas, it's something that we've forgotten a long time ago. Like some of this mindset stuff in terms of, you know, your thoughts become your reality. That's stuff that they kind of knew way back when that we're kind of reenacting these days. Oh my God, Hala, I got to just take you on a tangent here because this really interesting fact is that, you know, most of us tend to label things when they happen. And, you know, that automatically changes your perception of what happened. And worse yet, it actually changes how you react to it, right? So today, let's assume COVID happened. When people believe, oh my God, the life is ending, it's a bad thing, then we all react in a way that is stressful and that causes us all to get depression or you take the stuff that say it happened, we don't know it is good or bad because the impact of it will not be probably for a long time, even in the short term. Of course, there are millions of people who are suffering, the millions of people who have died. So there is, of course, it cannot be considered something good for humanity. But when we look back at this, and I'm, I'm not trying to be you know, insensitive here, but I'm looking at a bigger picture, right? 10 years from now, when you look back at this event, we will realize that this was probably one of the best things that could have potentially happened to humanity because it advanced our healthcare system by a decade. We would not have had telehealth for another 10 years or 20 years because most hospitals would have never, in fact, done it. We would have never had remote education because the teachers' union would have never allowed it in this country, right? And you start to think about People are starting to believe that they have a control of their own health. It used to be, I do what I do. When I get sick, I go to the hospital. And COVID made us realize the last thing I want to do is to get sick and go to the hospital. So what did we do? We started working out. We started to eat healthy. We started to take our supplements and we started to build our immunity. And suddenly we realized that our actions actually have our health consequences. And which is this year, there was no flu season. Why was it there was no flu? Because we believed until now, come fall season, it is inevitable that we're going to have flu. But there was no flu because we wore masks and we maintained social distancing. So what I'm trying to say is suddenly the diseases that looked inevitable, now we start to realize that actually it is in our own power to be actually able to protect ourselves. And these are the things that I think when we look back we start to realize that people are now becoming a CEO of their own health. People are starting to believe that their actions can be controlled and they can stay healthy. I think these type of things in a long term is going to make humanity better. Yeah, 100%. And there's always a silver lining, like you said, like COVID was horrible, but look how much tech advancements that we've had from that. To your point, remote work, remote education, telehealth, these are all benefits of what we went through. And thank God there's some sort of silver lining to all of this, right? And Naveen, I'm going to move on to some questions related to the actual business aspect of you starting Viome. So I know that you're a very smart man and 
you probably went through a process in order to kind of make sure that this idea was viable. So were there certain technologies that you had to make sure were in place before you could proceed? And what were some of the big challenges as you were thinking of this idea um, and making sure it was like a viable option to start this company? Well, first of all, uh, Hala, great question. And I think uh, before I answer that question, I want to actually uh, just people who are listening to it want them to know the work that you do is such a you know impactful work. And if you don't know and you have not been actually following Hala on LinkedIn and uh, in fact on all the social network, you're really missing out on something. To me, you are one of the genuinely good human beings doing a great work for entrepreneurs. So anyone who is currently an entrepreneur, want to become an entrepreneur, know someone who is an entrepreneur, you really got to be following her. I mean, I find your content to be absolutely amazing, right? So having said that, and I just want people to, you know, sincerely find a way to follow her on all the social media. Now, I have a framework. When you want to do something absolutely audacious, what things that I call moonshot, that's something that is not 10% better, but something that's 10 times or 100 times better than what exists in the real world. Then you have to have a framework. And I have a very simple framework. And that whenever I start a company, I ask myself three questions. Why this? Why now? Why me? And I'm going to give you the what those three questions mean, and then I'm going to tell you how I applied that to IO. So why this is a simple question that says, God forbid you are actually successful in solving this problem. Would it help a billion people live a better life? And the reason I use that as a marker is that tells you that even if you're successful, if you're not actually going to move the needle, you're playing in a small pond and that can never be a company that will ever be a super successful. Because you know, if you can find any product or a service that improves the life of 1 billion people, you can create a $100 billion company. And that's really the thing. But you cannot create a $100 billion company if you set out to create a $100 billion company. You have to focus on improving the lives of a billion people. The second thing is, why now? Why now is essentially two-part puzzle. What had changed in the last 12 to 18 months? But more importantly, what do you expect to change in the next three to five years? What technologies you think are going to come around that will allow you to solve this problem today than it was possible five years ago? And the reason I do that is to see, am I using the yesterday's technology to solve tomorrow's problem, or am I using the technology of of tomorrow to solve today's problem, right? And the really interesting thing is, many of the times, you need to intercept the technology where it is headed rather than the technology where it is today. And I can give you many examples, and I'm going to come back and say how I apply to Wild, and then I... The third question really is why me? And why me is probably the most important question you have to ask yourself. And this is about what questions that you're asking, which is different from what everyone else in the industry is asking. That means the questions you ask is the problem you solve. And that means if you are not thinking differently than anyone else, then you're solving exactly the same problem that anyone else is, and you simply become a commodity. And that means how do you going to differentiate yourself by actually looking at the problem differently than other people have done? Now, let me apply this to Wyom, and that will actually show you how I apply this framework. We said, what if 
we can prevent and reverse chronic diseases. So our, when I started a company, our tagline is, is still the same. Imagine living in a world where illness is optional. So we thought, what if we could prevent and reverse chronic diseases? Would it help a billion people live a better life? And the answer was 7.4 billion people, checkmark. Second part, why now? And we say to solve this problem, the three things need to happen. You have to be able to digitize the human body. That means take the bio, analog biological sample to be able to sequence them, understand exactly what biochemical activities are happening inside the body. And at that time, the cost of sequencing when I started the company was about $1,000. And I thought, oh my God, there's no way we can build a consumer product that is going to cost $1,000. But we were absolutely convinced in the next two to three years, this cost will come down to $100. Well, it so happened, our cost of sequencing actually came down to about $15. So even though while I was about 10 times optimistic, it turned out I was actually almost 10 times pessimistic. And that is the power of exponential technologies that you think you're being actually because our mind is designed to think linearly, not exponentially. And I'm going to come back and explain that concept but let me finish this thought. The second part was that even if we were able to sequence, how are we going to be able to process this much information that's coming out of the digitizing the body? And the cost of processing, we will need a supercomputer. And you know, at that point, we started to see this cloud computing, and but they were very expensive. And when we started, started Wyom, our cost of processing each human being's data was about $45. And it turns out that we thought we knew the cost will come down to about $10 at that time. It turns out the cost actually came down to about $1.50. And that's another one that we found where absolutely we were on the right trend, but we completely missed how fast it was the technology was moving. And the third thing was we believe the AI has to become so powerful that it can actually make self-learning and start to learn itself on finding why people are getting sick. And that we were absolutely convinced. And now today we have completely self-learning, machine learning AI. The third part was the probably the most interesting why me. And I think, Hala, you indicated earlier that all, everyone in the industry was focused on the genes and DNA. And even the people who were looking at the microbiome at that time, they were all trying to figure out what microbes exist in your gut. And I thought, these, how can knowing the microbes in your gut will ever help you? Because your body and your immune system doesn't have eyes and ears. It doesn't say, oh, I just saw the acromantia. I just saw the you know, bifidobacteria. It simply cares about what chemicals are being produced. And we thought, what if we could analyze the gene expression instead of genes? We'll be able to know what microbes are being produced and how they're changing the human gene expression. If you could do that, we can solve this problem. And that's the reason we focused on finding a way to analyze mRNA. And it turned out there was no one was doing it and there was no technology that was available in anywhere to do the mRNA sequencing. It took me six months. I went to Lawrence, Livermore Lawrence, Berkeley National Lab. I went to NASA JPL, went to NASA Houston, NASA Kennedy Space Center, and finally found the technology at Los Alamos National Lab, where there was a scientist who were working on this for 10 years for solving this problem for biodefense work. I still to date have not figured out because I don't have a security clearance at that level that what they were working on, but I managed to get the exclusive license of the technology, which became wild. Now, just to give you an idea, the reason it's a good business is not because 
somehow we figured out how to, you know, we focused on creating a massive enterprise. We create a massive enterprise because we found a way to help lots and lots of people. And I hope it's clear to everyone who's listening to it. If you want to build a great company, find a way to improve the lives of people. Oh my gosh, 100%. I love that you broke that down. I think that's so helpful. And all the things that you went through to get this company off the ground and all the research that you did, it's just so impressive. And so my last question is really about AI and then we'll Mm -hmm. get into Q&A. And by the way, guys, if you guys want to ask a question, raise your hand and uh, we may put you up on stage. So Naveen, this has to do with AI. I want to understand like, how many people have taken the Viome test so far? And when people take the test, does, does that actually help the AI algorithm get better? And is Viome more accurate now than it was, let's say, two years ago because more people have taken the test? I just have to say it. I mean, you are one, I mean, one is smart woman. <laughs> what does it tell you? I mean, this is the concept. It takes people Honestly, people who have been working in the industry for 10 years have not learned this concept that you just described in such simple words. It's called flywheel effect. Does your 100,000 customer or a millionth customer is better than your first customer? So if you are selling a service that your customer, the first customer gets the same product that your millionth customer gets, then you have not created any flywheel effect. And especially, so that means the data that you are collecting, would it allow every single person who joins you to actually become better by being part of that network? So in our case, we have analyzed over quarter million people now. And it's really amazing. As we have learned from a trial and error through different mechanisms that we are learning from people who have different diseases, now we are able to do things that could not be done two years ago. So for example, we may not. We may have completely missed out on certain cases when we give people curcumin that instead of curcumin, we should give them elderberry because that is going to work better for these people versus curcumin. Because we tried that on people where curcumin did not work, but elderberry did. And that allowed us to learn the pattern. We said, now we know why it did not work and why the people who comes next. Now, every single person who joins us today not only benefits from everyone who came before them, they actually help everyone else before and people who came after. And to me, that's the only way we as humanity will ever solve this problem of a chronic disease is when we all come together and say, you know what, we're going to come together to actually help us understand why people are having these chronic diseases and to be able to solve that problem early enough while we can still intercept these diseases, right? And to me, if we can get to 2 million people, we would be able to solve this problem, right? And that's really my whole goal in life is to be able to solve this problem instead of using suffering. I mean, and it's not just for me or my parents, but imagine if we don't solve the problem, our children and grandchildren are going to continue to suffer from these chronic diseases. To me, this is an epidemic that we should end, even though, uh, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic. But remember this once in a hundred years, we have not had a pandemic for a hundred years, 1918, the Spanish flu. So point is, the epidemic of these chronic diseases 
is there here and now. Every year we lose millions of people to heart disease, millions of people to cancer, millions of people to diabetes, millions of people to depression and suicide. We have to solve this problem and we all have to come together to do so. Yeah, Naveen, I would love if you could give me some sort of a promo code that I can give my listeners because I believe this is something that everybody needs to kind of get involved in because to your point, like the more people who who do this test, the more you're going to help the next person who does this test. So I think it's it's really important for us to get involved. So Hala, I would love to do that, except I... Hala, this so is how about this? I work with Naveen. Can you hear me? We yes, are, we're, we're, believe it or not, we're, our mission right now is to get this in the hands of as many people as possible. Literally right now, if you go to Viome.com, you, you'll see our health intelligence test is marked down significantly. And I'll, I hate to say it, we're losing money. So it's right now, we're just doing our very best to get this in the hands of so many people. But if you go to the website right now, the health intelligence kit, the health, the subscription, that's all marked down to the point of us just being able to keep the lights on. But Marty, I mean, there's got to be a way if we can give them a code for at least a $10 off. You, I mean, you tell me, Naveen. I'll be happy to okay. do it. How about this? Find a way to do that and send it to Hala, please. You got it. Hey, guys. It's Hala. Quick punch in here to let you guys know the promo code. Head to Viome.com and use promo code CLUBHOUSE10 for $10 off checkout. Now back to this amazing interview. So we're going to move it on to q and I've got a lot of my uh, mods here on the stage. Some of them are podcasters. Some of them are clubhouse influencers. All of them are super smart. And I know they have some great value to share. So let's kick it over to Paulina. What is your question for Naveen? Hi, Hala. Thank you so much. Naveen, my question to you is this. You are a real thought leader. I have been following you for a while. I think what you're doing is beyond revolutionary because you're not just trying to create a product. You're trying to systematically, collectively get rid of disease uh, using you know, our bodies, essentially. My question to you is, how do you frankly not sell out? I'm sure there are people that are throwing money at you. How do you stand by your why you? And why do you get to do what you do? I'm sure that uh, you have many, many opportunities to sell out. How do you stay true to yourself and to your mission in a world where many people don't? Yes, yeah, so Polina, first of all, you know, just as you know, I came from poverty. I mean, we didn't have food to eat. We didn't have a place to stay. And God has been so kind to us. I mean, there's very, you know, very few things in life that I need. I'm, you know, I, I'm a vegan to begin with. And all the things that I want in my life, I have more of everything because I have three wonderful children who are don't need anything from us. I mean, two of them went to Stanford. You know, my daughter started a company on women's health before that she was doing, uh, you know, removing gender bias from hiring because they are mission-oriented people. My oldest son, Ankur, he is into his third uh, unicorn. And our youngest one, who also graduated from Stanford, he became a Schwarzman scholar and he's starting his company. So my reason I mentioned this is to us, it's not about money. And the thing is, the things we are working on, we get plenty of investments. So even though we are currently losing money, but we know over time, we will find a way to be able to actually solve this problem. And when we do, we're going to have a $100 billion company in our hand if we stay focused on our mission to solve this problem. No, we have invested over $100 million of our own money into this business. When I say our own money, I mean investors uh, together. We have spent over $100 million into this company. And to me, this is a problem that needs solving. And if we do, 
Imagine how massive this company will be because every pharma company at that point becomes obsolete. And these pharma companies, if they're worth over trillion dollars, where does all that money flows into? Into a company that is preventing the chronic diseases, right? So to me, in a long term, there's no doubt in my mind we're going to be super, super successful. So there's no reason to sell out. What would I do if I sell out? I'll just start another company anyway. So my hope is to build it to a point where I can hire another mission-oriented CEO, and then I can go on to solve the problem of education, to solve the problem of agriculture, to be able to transmit and connect the human brain so that we don't have to speak to each other, to be able to listen to each other. I mean, that's like a modem, old days, you have to have a modem to communicate. The speech is like a low bandwidth modem. What if I could subscribe to Hala's brain? And every time Hala has a new thought, I actually get upgraded. And I imagine all of these things are possible. It's just a matter of us going out and solving them. So my hope is that sooner or later we solve this problem and then we, I go on to solve the next problem. Thank you so much. And you should write a book uh, about how to motivate children to stay in, in their power and create these kind of incredible companies. Because I think for me, I grew up in poverty also. Sometimes I look at my children and I say to myself, am I overindulging them because I grew up so poor? How do you balance that piece? How oh do God. you train your children to be these incredible human beings while they have access to the best? Oh my God, honestly, uh, Paulina, there could be a whole clubhouse uh, session just on that because parenting is so counterintuitive from what we think. What we think if we're doing it for children, we actually are doing it for ourselves by harming children, right? So it's the guilt that we have that allows us to indulge our children because we feel bad. We're not thinking about what's good for them. We are thinking about what's easy for us, what's good for us, right? And I can give you a whole bunch of things around that. So Hala, if you are on to it, maybe we can do a whole clubhouse session. Or Paulina, if you want yep. interested, just shoot me an email on a DM me on any other social media. And I'm thrilled to give you my thoughts on how to raise children. Yeah, and totally, obviously, Naveen, we can have a million sessions here on Clubhouse. Really happy to always host you, so that's no problem. Okay, so we're going to... Thank you, Paulina. That was an amazing question. Let's kick it over to Elizabeth. What's your question for Naveen? Thank you. I have so many, but I'll keep it to one. Naveen, I have a question about monocut and in terms of are you seeing that there's a particular place of people that have more monogut versus others? And uh, what does that look like? I am, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. I don't know what monogut is. Oh, no. So monogut is when, I guess, when you have like a lot of probiotics, for example, and then oh, the gut see, microbiome is really not diverse enough. So, okay, I, okay. yeah. Okay. So monogut, I understand that. Okay. So basically what happens is a lot of the times, first of all, it's really, really bad. You want the diversity of microbiome in your gut. Remember, you know, more diversity of functions, not just diversity of organism. If you have all the organisms producing exactly the same thing, you will get the overabundance of the same biochemical. So you want the different types of functionality. That means organisms that are producing completely different stuff. What is the most amazing part of this ecosystem is the same organism can produce completely different stuff in your gut versus my gut. And that depends on the surroundings or the ecosystem it finds itself in. So you can have the whole 
concept of this good microbiome and bad microbiome actually came from infectious diseases. People thought the microbes are bad, but I think it is not the microbes are good or bad. They do good thing or a bad thing. And it turns out a good microbe can do bad thing in a bad environment, and a bad microbe can do a good thing in a good environment. And I can give you an example. Acromantia is considered a probiotic. And however, Acromantia is exactly the same organism in other, some other people's gut. It becomes actually the causative of multiple sclerosis, the brain disease, right? You look at C. diff, considered a really, really bad bacteria that can kill people. And other people see this actually can be commensal and produce butyrate that can be extremely good for your body. Right? So it is not about the diversity of organism. It is about diversity of the functions that the organisms are providing. Awesome. Thank you so much. And so I can I can I follow up with that? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So when you are doing these tests, do you see that there are specific people, I guess, populations that have more of that? What we notice is when people take probiotic right after taking antibiotics, what happens is at that point, all of the microbes are gone. And as opposed to naturally creating an ecosystem by eating various types of fermented food, if people start taking probiotic, which is only one type of organism, a few types of organism, they end up colonizing it. And that actually becomes much more harmful. So people who take the probiotic right after taking antibiotics actually not as good. Normally, what I would recommend would be for people to actually, after they somehow have to take antibiotics, is to start eating all different types of fermented food from, you know, kombucha to kimchi to yogurt to pickles to everything they can find as many raw foods as you can to essentially build the diversity and then take probiotic. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They're in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. I have another follow-up question to that. So I know antibiotics are really bad for our microbiome and there's certain foods that affect it negatively. Is there anything outside of food that impacts microbiome? Of course. 
I mean, obviously, anytime you have some pathogens that ends up getting into the gut and you get massive amount of diarrhea, you are essentially getting rid of a lot of your microbiome at that time, right? So food poisoning, I mean, that's essentially is pathogenic. So when you get food poisoning or you end up, you know, most of you are probably young, don't understand the colonoscopy. When you do that, you have to clean your colon out, right? So you take laxatives and stuff and it gets the thing basically wipes out your, wipes out your, most of the microbiome. But antibiotics is probably the worst of all the things. I'm not suggesting people never take antibiotics. Most of the time, your immune system should be able to deal with most infections that most people have, right? So in a sense that if you build your immunity and your immune system is actually strong, more often than not, you will never need antibiotics. And, you know, in this country, such an overuse of antibiotics, especially for the young children, they, as soon as they get ear infection, mom and dad run. And basically, as opposed to letting the immune system deal with it, they give antibiotics and that actually ends up harming the child over time. And there is so much research now that shows that number of diseases that are because of the uh, use of antibiotics when the children are young. So just Google early use of antibiotics and you will see how many diseases it causes because of killing those microbes. Yeah, it's so ironic too, because it's like antibiotics were created to help people, but then yes. it <laughs> really hurt us in the end. It's, it's, it's so funny. Okay, so let's go to Jeremy and then we'll kick it to Lauren and Matt and then Michael. Naveen, what is up, brother? Such a big fan of your work and what you're creating in the world. Two quick questions. Number one, you know, as you know, 90% of our serotonin is produced in the gut and depression is the number one disability in the world and it tripled during COVID. So I'm wondering like what is Viome doing maybe on a bigger level, on a bigger stage to really target mental health with what you guys are doing? Because I think a lot of people don't understand that connection. And then number two, is there anything to scale intuition? Meaning like, I think one of the great things about Viome is like, building awareness with our body, what foods agree with us, what foods maybe we should avoid and stay away from. And ultimately, I think that can build the intuition muscle, like knowing intuitively what our body needs and what it doesn't need, right? And and I think so many people have been disconnected from their mind and body. So I was wondering if you could maybe um, address both of those. Sorry for the long-winded question. No, no, I think it's a great question. So first of all, we are really focused on mental health. As you say, this is one of the epidemic of our society, you know, as not only just because of COVID, the amount of stress people have at work because they are not being taken care of. They're constantly in the fear of losing their jobs. They constantly are struggling with their personal lives. And to some extent, as you mentioned, the 90% of serotonin is produced in the gut. And a gut and a brain are completely connected through this vagus nerve. And there's no doubt. In fact, as I said, we did the research. Within four months, we were able to improve the clinical score of depression for PHQ-9 by 32% and anxiety by 29% GAD-7 score. So, you know, we are obviously trying to get as many people to learn about that. I'm working with Deepak Chopra and uh, Gabriela on they have this uh, new uh, movement called Never Alone. So you can go check it out at neveralone.love. And it's all about depression and suicide. And we are trying to find the you know right group of people 
who can help us spread the word because awareness is the key. When people are depressed, they can't be the one who are going to find a solution. It is their loved ones who have to really start to bring them into the right nutrition because when someone is depressed, they are not thinking about their health. So you have to really find a good loving ecosystem around them who can provide the right set of nutrition. And as their gut health improves, their mindset will improve and their depression will go away and then they can start taking care of their own health. So it is, you know, as I said, uh, this is a big problem for the society and we all have to play our part in it. Awesome. Jeremy, that was a great question. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, Hala. Thank you so much for hosting this. Naveen, I do have a really big health and wellness platform, a community of over 700,000 on TikTok. So I'd love to support and add value as much as possible because I feel really aligned to your mission. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Anything you can do to bring the awareness to us, I mean, to me, that is the main thing. Um, And reach out. uh, Maury is here. Just reach out to Maury. He can help you put together whatever you need to help you get going. So, Maury, how would you do that? Any, Any thought on that? Well, I mean, you know, we can definitely look at different ways, but just, you know, shoot me a DM on Instagram. You know, we're very lucky to work with some very passionate influencers and there's a few ideas that I have, but just shoot me a DM on Instagram. Let's take it offline and and see if we can both accomplish our mission together and make it even stronger. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. And I think Lauren is also interested in partnering. She's a huge influencer too. So Lauren and Jeremy, make sure you reach out to Maury. And of course, I'm always happy to help any way that I can. I like you. Hala, you are the amazing human being, and I would love to work with you. So let us take this offline. Hala, I've never heard him compliment somebody like this in my entire life. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Oh my gosh, thank you. So kind. All right, so let's keep this moving. Naveen, I do want to be conscious of your time. Do you have an extra 10 minutes? Like, okay. Seven minutes. I have a call at 6.30, so I have- Okay, we have seven minutes. So with that said, I do want to pass it over to Vagisha. You are an audience member. You came up, you wrote your question in your bio, you followed the rules. So what is your question for Naveen? Hi, Naveen. And hi, Hala. This was such a great talk. I am a researcher over in Canada and we're doing something similar for fetal spina bifida. So this Mm -hmm. talk was really, really interesting to me. But then Naveen mentioned that his greater mission is to make the lives of 7 billion people better. And and that's such a great mission. So I started thinking about th- along those lines. And what I wondered was, essentially, Naveen, what you're talking about is moving towards personalized medicine. But what we currently have in at least North America is very much curative medicine. And I know we want to shift towards preventative and even personalized medicine. So how do you think we can make or change the medical education system? Or is that even needed to change the medical education system to, you know, uh, just change the model of medicine and healthcare within North America? So are there, do you have any plans to, you know, take it even one step larger and, you know, scale it up to that level? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, so Vagisha, great question here. You know, the, unfortunately in North America and, uh, you know, Especially in the United States, everyone in the, you know, what I call the healthcare medical industrial complex, the medical industrial complex, everyone makes money when we are sick and no one makes money when we are healthy. And that is a fundamentally a broken incentive for any system. So system, you know, it's not the people in the system are bad. The system is set up 
that if a doctor keeps the patient healthy, the doctor will get sick because there is no money, right? So point is, there is we have to fundamentally change the way people are incented to keep the other people healthy. All I can say is, in many villages in India, what they did was very interesting. I remember that there was a, you know, there is a doctor or someone in the village. Everyone would pay the doctor as long as no one is sick. And as soon as someone got sick, the doctor stopped getting paid. And the doctor's job was to make sure they go house to house and making sure no one ever gets sick. Right? And that to me is the kind of model we really need in this country is to say that you know, the medical system gets paid for keeping you healthy, not for keeping you sick. And the second thing is the whole idea of a chronic disease for pharmaceutical company has really turned into a lifetime subscriber. That means they never want to cure a disease. They simply want to manage the symptoms. And that's the problem, right? You have an autoimmune disease. They don't try to find out what is causing the autoimmune disease. They simply give you a drug to suppress your immune system. And that causes more problems, right? So every single thing is about suppressing the symptom. So you, And every time you take a drug, it causes three more symptoms, and then they suppress those three symptoms and give you drug, and it causes nine more symptoms. And by the time you get to our age, now you're popping more pills than blueberries, and there is a problem with that system. So I think what our hope is, the only person who doesn't want to be sick is the consumer who is sick. And we decided we are going to actually go around the system to the people who want to be healthy. And once you do that, this is literally how disruptions happen. Anyone who has ever never read the book, you should read a book called Innovator's Dilemma by Clayton Christensen. And he talks about that most people think that innovation, when you have a new innovative system, you should go to where the industry is. So that means go to the healthcare system because that's where the money is. What happens is the healthcare system is an organism. Anytime something new comes up, its immune system becomes highly active and it wants to kill the something novel. And versus the most disruption comes from outside the industry. So if you look at IBM PCs, it didn't come uh, or the, so every innovation, whether it is cell phones, whether it is PCs, they all came around the system. They didn't enter the system through the, where the industry was. So I believe the best way to do that is for us all to come together, people who believe in the mission. And suddenly we will have so much data, so much efficacy, then suddenly the system will have no choice but to adopt the prevention as a mechanism of cure. Thank you. That your ideas are so revolutionary. And also, I love all the analogies you use. Thank you so much, Naveen. Thank you, Vagisha. That was a great question. Now, Naveen, I know you just have a couple minutes left, so I'm going to let you say your goodbyes. Could you leave us on a positive note? Let us know what you think your predictions are for the future yeah. of health and tech. So I can tell you that our future is very, very bright. And, and the reason is that technology is moving at a pace that within the next 10 to 15 years, the problems that look unsolvable are going to get solved. So all I can say is everyone who is listening to it dreams so big that people think you are crazy and never be afraid to fail because you only fail when you give up. Everything else is simply a pivot. So live a life of an adventure. Live a life that has ups and downs. Don't settle for a smooth life. Because when you look at your heartbeat, it is constantly going up and down. When it is smooth, you're dead. So don't live 
a smooth life. That's the life of a dead person. Live a life of a heartbeat that tells you you're alive. So embrace the ups and embrace the downs. Just enjoy as it comes. What a great way to end the show. Thank you so much, Naveen. You are such an inspiration. I love all the work that you do. I would love to host you back on Clubhouse. Clearly, there's a demand for it. We've got lots of hands raised. Lots of people didn't get to ask their questions. So maybe we can have you back soon. But thank you so much for your time, Naveen. Thank you, Hala. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this live episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. I want to say thank you to my moderators on stage for your support. I'm sorry for you guys who didn't get to ask a question. Samir, I know we missed out on you. I owe you one. Make sure you DM me on Instagram. I'll do something special for you. And for now, this is Hala and Friends signing off. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I am sold and ready to take my Viome test. I feel like I learned so much in this interview and I can't wait to see the positive changes I'll see in my body once I get my results back from Viome. And more than just me, bigger picture, I can't wait to see the positive impact this technology has on the world. We can make illness optional. This is a revolutionary concept and it's revolutionary technology. Guys, Naveen is not giving me a dime. I just support this mission. Head to Viome.com and use promo code CLUBHOUSE10 for $10 off checkout. And together we can help make illness optional. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Honestly, it was one of my favorites. And until next time, this is Hala signing off.